From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. And the only reason why I said the date on a perfectly evergreen podcast is that there is nothing better, I think, to than to do a podcast this time of year that's just fun. That's, that's, that's just laid back and fun and interesting and funny and frustrating and everything that golf is um so you know over this next little bit of time we're gonna hang out and talk golf the sport we love and the sport that drives us absolutely berserk and to do that we welcome back to teeing it up Cavender Nutsi. Cav welcome back thank you for having me I cannot think of many better things to do on a beautiful December afternoon than talk about my favorite sport with one of my favorite people I love it I love it um, so everybody tries to be naughty or nice, you know, this, this time of year. Uh, were the golf gods nice to you or naughty to you this year? A little bit of both, I think. Um, you know, it's like back in this past week, I think I played back-to-back rounds for the first time in over a year, and the first day it was incredible, and the second day I couldn't hit the ball straight to save my life. So it's it's been a little bit of both, man. But I'm I'm grateful. I mean, every year, no matter whether golf gives me a bunch of gifts or not, I'm super grateful for it. Amen to that. Um, and and amen for getting to play back to back days. That's a hard thing to come by sometimes. Uh, it is. What when it comes to our our working lives and for you to get two rounds in. But yes, the game can be. It can be so bizarre. When you think you've got it together and then the game reminds you, nope. Um, and that actually reminds me of one of the crazier moments of this year that that, that doesn't even fit into any of the stuff we're going to talk about. I had my birthday at Top Golf, which I've done a couple times just because the one near me is, is centrally located and I think it's just a good place for people to find, uh, to hang out. And I got there before anybody, and because of the pandemic, they have this new system where they text you when your bay is available, and then that starts the clock. Oh, wow. So I walk up, and I knew that my friends were 10 minutes away, and I'm like, so what am I supposed to do for the next 10 minutes? And they're like, well, you can do whatever the heck you want. So I started doing a practice session, and, and my one buddy who's not a golfer walks up, sees me with a club on the ground, you know, and sees me doing all these drills, like, what the heck is happening here? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just got here early, and they told me I could do a practice session, so here I am. Um, so that was one of the weirder moments of my 2021. Right, you got to fit it in wherever you can. Yes. And if it's a top golf, it's a top golf. Yes. Um, so... Tiger's recent return made me think of this general list of questions we're going to go by because Tiger's given us some of the best moments and some of the most unbelievable moments. He's not a part of this, or maybe he is. We'll see where Cav goes with his answers. Um, But this is, I think, just a celebration of what 20-plus years in this game has, 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 has done for both of us because it leads you to some odd stories. So, since you are the guest, you get to go first, my friend. What is, to this day, the best golf shot you have ever hit? All right, well, let me set the scene first. So, uh, I think it was 2011, and a couple of these stories today are gonna come from 2011, because I guess that was some kind of special year for me in golf, but, um, 2011, so, there's a course in San Antonio called the Hill Country Hyatt, it's a beautiful resort. It's got three nine-hole golf courses. And for some reason, I was playing that course with my sister's ex-boyfriend. They weren't together anymore, but he, I guess, liked playing golf with me so much that he wanted to take me out golfing for free, and I said, absolutely. So we okay, played why not? Days. I mean, absolutely. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry sister, but <laughs> golf, golf wins sometimes. Uh, so I remember we played... We played all three nines, but we played one of the nine back-to-back days, and they didn't change the pins. So it's the eighth hole. It's 185 yards. Remember the first day, I took a little something off of a five iron and came up 15 feet short. So the next day, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just hit it. So hit it as hard as I could, one hop, roll, only hole in one I've ever had in my life. 
So <laughs> I don't know if you can really, I don't know if you can make a best shot list and not include your only hole in one. Uh, I am with you on that. Um, unfortunately, I have not made one. Um, I have made many mini golf holes in one. I've been reminded by my golf buddies that that does not count. Um, so uh, here's here's where I find hole in one stories fascinating um, because it's what happens after that that is remarkable because it's you know, pros talk about how they get the shot of adrenaline through them and then they have to be able to calm their mind and calm their body down to hit the next shot. You right. have just accomplished something that every single golfer who plays this game wants to accomplish. A, what the heck did you do with the golf ball when you got back home? And B, how was the rest of your round and were you able to stay calm? I'll answer the second question first. Uh, it was the eighth hole, second to last hole of our round. The next hole was a par five, and I remember I had about a two-footer for birdie, and I made it. So I finished hole-in-one birdie. Wow. And <laughs> I haven't played that course since, for good reason. Because I don't think I'm going to top that. No, I don't uh, think you will. But as far what was the next question? Sorry. Uh, where did you put the ball? <laughs> where did you put the ball when you got home? I had it in the dresser drawer in my bedroom for a long time, and it was there. Like even when I moved to Florida, it was still in Texas for a couple of years. And I I went and got it, and now it's here in Florida. But one interesting thing about that ball while we're on the topic, I remember I found it, and uh, the rival team that I had in high school is a team called Medina Valley, Medina Valley High School in Castleville, Texas. And man, they were a bunch of jerks. Like we hated playing them because they won state every year but man they were cocky and every one of them thought they were going to make it on tour and none of them ever did but every ball they played with had the initials on the side the acronym K-A-T-N you know what that stands for? I I do not kicking ass and taking names okay so I remember that was their moniker and wow I found, that, I found that ball somewhere and I remember that being one of theirs and then I ended up making a hole in one with it so I guess I can't be too mad at him, but it was, it was pretty kind of an interesting little uh, confluence of events there. That is wild. Yeah. That is, see, I would almost view it as the like like you're you're hitting the ball and getting revenge on them after right. all these years. <laughs> I wouldn't right. take it as I have to like them now. I take it as. You put that in the side of the golf ball? Well, guess what? I'm going to demolish this golf ball, and then I'm going to retire it because it, it, it'll lead to great success for me, and none of you will ever get to play it ever again. Uh, you know what? I like that version better. I think I'm sticking with that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Cap uh, uh, Nutsi uh, with us on Teeing It Up. The best golf shot I ever hit also needs um, a scene setter. Um, I went to Nike Golf Camp. For several years, um, was and, this in Oregon or just where? No, this was this was all over the country. They had a system of summer camps for all sports, and when Tiger came on the scene, golf became one of them. So this was at a prep school uh, near Princeton, uh, here in New Jersey, and it was a four day thing, I think. And for the next to last day, they took you to Shawnee golf wow. and and ski resort um for a tournament i have that in quotes tournament um <laughs> or competition between all the campers to see what you've learned over the last three days and see how that applies to you know your competitive nature um shawnee for those who don't know is 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 right along the uh uh, uh, uh excuse me is, is right along the delaware river the border between New Jersey and Pennsylvania. It was the host of the 1937 PGA Championship. It was match play back then, and a guy by the name of Sam Snead lost in the championship match. He would have success in golf following that. Um, <laughs> and for a very long time. Um, so they had had a tournament there of some kind recently um, before I before we got there as a camp and uh, they had bleachers up you know high school style bleachers nothing fancy but just they had had spectators there for some reason 
And then there was another 27-hole facility, and the routing of, of this one also had it, um, with the ninth hole being a par 3. And it was from the front tees, I was about 12 at the time, uh, 7 iron from 141 that I hit hole high to 25 feet. So now I'm in one of the last groups because I was playing in the individual competition versus the scramble, which I had played in the previous year and won. So um, you've got probably about 25 people plus any random people who are playing the golf course plus Shawnee workers, you know, gathered around this green. And I'm hole high. To, it's a side hill, left to right winder. And I said, if I just get this out there far enough, I think it's going to be good. And I hit it, and I knew right off the putter blade I was golden. And there it goes, right in the hole. Huge fist pump. They go crazy. I go crazy. They give me a standing ovation. I feel like I'm Tiger for a day. Um, and just to show you that um, some stuff that you get taught at a very young age never leaves you, no matter what happens in your golfing life. I remember this. I don't. I don't remember the fist pump. I remember the celebration. I remember walking up to get my ball, and I stepped in my playing competitor's line. <laughs> and I remember picking the ball out of the hole, realizing it, and apologizing profusely for doing so, because this would be 19 years before the rule change that, that said you could fix spike marks. I just felt horrible, but I still felt elated. I came home in 46 that day, which was a great score for me, shot 94, 48, 46, um, and that is the best golf shot I have hit um, ever in my life and uh that's a golf ball that's in my golf ball collection that's awesome man somewhere um i i, I couldn't tell you where but uh it's somewhere and uh you know people joke with me that i have very old irons because i still play Cle cleveland ta7s that came out in 2005 um <laughs> but that was not the same seven iron um i have hit different clubs since then um well, good for um, uh, man. I don't know. I might have kept that seven iron in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like graphite and and like a kids' club or something. And I I, I yeah. think I may have been forced to. Um, right. It, no, it's it somewhere in my garage. Um, but it's just and and you and I both know it because we played high school golf. Like when when you get the cheers, no matter how many people it is, when when you get cheers, it just means something different. It just, it, right. it, there's a different out. Uh, there's a different outcome from it that's very hard to explain publicly. Yeah, I mean, I I think anytime you're playing in front of an audience of any sort, uh, it's different, and it makes the better shots that much better. You know, it, it just ingrains them in your mind forever because there's so much to remember it by. Yeah. And it was a sunny day. I remember that. Um, the, the whole location was up on the right. Um, ironically, I played there a couple of years ago. Um, it was my first time back, and I think I four-putted that green. Um, so, <laughs> That's golf, man. It, it's golf. It's golf. It was not a good return visit. Um, speaking of, of not good return visits, that's a lovely segue. Into the next category, which is the uh, so, oh, oh 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 sorry I forgot about the the uh, best shot you've seen excuse me um, best shot you have seen. Well, since you're the host, I will let you lead this category, my friend. Okay. Uh, thank you. That is very kind of you. Um, so you know how when you're a guest at somebody's club, you you kind of just defer to them. Indeed. And you just, you know, you just let them... Do what they do. Yep, you do what they do. And I was playing my buddy's course, and he could see some people coming up uh, behind him and uh, behind us, and he said on this par three, step aside. So we all hit our tee shots. Long par three, water on the left. 
mounding on the right. And f- f- first guy gets up. It's a threesome. F- first guy gets up, hits a decent shot. Second guy steps up. It's a little wayward, but it's safe. Third guy gets up. And it just had a look in the air that it was online. Ah. Bounce short of the green. Bounce just on the green. And pins on the front. Roll, roll, in. Four iron from 217. That's it is, a hole-in-one right there. It is the only hole-in-one I have ever witnessed we went crazy. They could not see on the tee. It was my buddies and I going crazy that told this gentleman that he had made an ace. Um, they could not tell from all the way back there. Um, and uh, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I just saw a hole in one in person. The story gets. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. The story right. gets even better. The very next hole. Is this downhill par four that has a big uh, uh, fairway bunker with a high lip placed wonderfully where all your tee shots end up, Cav? Isn't that isn't that just lovely how architects figure that one out? My buddy hits it under the lip. He's like, I got no shot with this one. So he pitches out another front pin. So now he's hitting three. He's got a wedge. I don't have the exact yardage, but it's a pitching wedge from something or other. And that ball hits, takes one bounce to the right. And I'm like, this has a chance. In, uh, sorry, uh, roll, roll, in. A birdie, a hole out wedge birdie. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I'm like, this can't be, this is crazy. My buddy... The third member of the group chipped in about three holes later. I'm like, Man, you're hot. I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? And what's my other buddy supposed? To? Like, we're all looking at each other. Like, geez, what's going to happen uh-huh. next? That was just oh, one of those man. days where every where everything you would think happened happened, except for the yeah. part where I get a hole in one. <laughs> well, your best day is yet to come, my friend. Yes. Um, anyway, go ahead, my friend. Oh, geez. Well, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's some I could go in. I've been grateful and lucky to see a lot of really good golf shots hit in my life. But, you know, I had to go with the Tiger story. And <laughs> I don't think you'd be a Kevin or Nudzi podcast for that one. You so, know that's true. Yep. So, Sunday morning of the 2011 Masters, a guy named Roy McIlroy is leading a guy named Tiger Woods by seven shots. Yes. Nobody thinks that Tiger Woods has a chance, except for me and my mother. And <laughs> come, you know, come Sunday, I, I'll never forget it, man. I remember watching him on the first green the day before he had hit this crazy shot under the Eisenhower tree, which, for those new golf cans, is not there anymore. But he hit this shot under the Eisenhower tree, and I remember he, I, I was, it was such a contorted stance and it was such a violent swing and I was like he definitely hurt himself next day on the first green Augusta National first green Tiger in Sunday red and black is stretching out his leg and I remember turning to mom be like he's, he's definitely hurt so in my mind it was like he has no chance well fast forward to I mean geez I mean I remember he made he made the turn he was tied for the lead you know started day seven shots back made the turn tied for the lead but the greatest shot of that whole stretch. I think he birdied two, three, six, and seven. And he comes to the eighth hole. We're standing on the right side of the fairway. He's got 276 yards left. Hits a three-wood up there, hooks it from right to left, takes the slope, gets down to about eight feet below the hole, and then he makes the eagle putt and unleashes just this gigantic fist bump. And man, I tell you, I was floating. I was floating around that place. Here comes Tiger Woods, Sunday roar of all time. And if the guy could have just learned how to putt on the back nine, he would have won that Masters. But what an incredible event, man. That's that's such a special place every time. But I'll never forget that. That was just the most fun that a golf fan could have, I think. Yeah. Um, that was... I, I remember... Um, I That shot has trended um, 
Oh, absolutely. You see it on Instagram like every week. Yep. And I I, I remember that day just thinking to myself, this is Rory's walk to golf immortality. And we all know that it didn't work out that way. We all know that that ultimately um, he would fall short. And Tiger talked about his putting issues and, and the fact that he couldn't make anything. And then he would miss a whole bunch of time um, with the Achilles issue, which he suffered under the Eisenhower tree that day. But, man, there's no grittier player than Tiger. And when Rory came back to the field, I remember thinking, oh, my, this is going to open up for somebody. Oh, this man, is going to open up for somebody. It ultimately opened it. it it ultimately opened up for Charles Schwartzel, who had, you know, the greatest finish in Masters history. Right. But, Funny enough, as before you get too far, actually, we were in, we were lucky enough to be standing behind him when he hold his shot on the third hole, too, that day. Um, you know, they kind of, I know he chipped in on one, and that kind of got him going, you know, that crazy chip in from the far right side. But it was that eagle on three that really catapulted him up. And I remember we just stopped. It was one of those things where we were crossing over the fairway, and he just stopped, and you're like, okay, I guess we'll watch that again because we have to. Yes. <laughs> and he ended up making it. So that was a wild day. I mean, I, golly, dude, that, that place. To your point, and this is just like what Augusta does to people, Tiger goes out in 31, birdies 2, 3, 6, 7, and 8. His only birdie on the, on, on the second nine was 15. Right. And, he and had, that was... He had so many chances, and that's a 67 that looks great on paper and looks horrendous when you actually think about it. I mean, even that bird on 15 is awful, because remember, he hits this iron from the top of the hill down to like three feet and has so much damn swagger coming down that hill, you can't believe it. And then he misses the eagle butt. (laughs) Yeah, and... I, I just remember for so many years him saying, I just can't putt around here. I just can't putt around here. I just can't putt around here. And then 2019 right. happens. Some guy remembered how to putt. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that I, I remember that now, that now that you have put that nightmare back in my head, Cav. Thank you very much. Um, uh, 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 <laughs> no. It was something. But, you know what? The uh, fact that he won it in 2019... Yes, yes, and I'm obviously kidding around, but uh, I I do remember the uh, missed eagle putt, and that was a blown opportunity because that would have put a a scare factor back on that leaderboard that you saw in 2019. You saw the Tiger scare factor come back into play, and I think that was really interesting how how that all played out that day. Um, Yeah, it's, it's something that is very... That three wood on eight, the stuff that Tiger has done injured and, and in pain, the, the shots that he hit and has hit, you look at, you know, the shot in the, in, in, in the, the shot into the 18th on Saturday right. night at the 08 US Open. I mean, that's right. one heck of a fairway wood. People forget about that. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, that's the eagle that got him in the last group that, you know, made him tie for the lead, but but the quality of that shot, when you know it impact, you are going to get searing pain, and there is right. nothing you can do about it. And I remember Hank Haney saying after the thing people forget about the the, the 2008 U.S. Open is not only was Tiger playing on a broken leg, not only was he in pain, he had a two way miss going. That is a golfer's nightmare. Yo, man, he really did. I mean, it's probably 20, 2019 Masters is up there, but for my money, that 2008 US Open will always be, I think, the greatest win yeah. in major championship history for I all am, of those reasons and more. I am, I am with you that it's definitely up there as one of the more improbable and impressive performances, and I don't think anybody realizes how much pain he was really in. Um, this is now a perfect segue into... The ones that give us pain, the worst shots we have ever hit. Um, and Cav um, uh, is with us here on, on uh, teeing it up as we go through these. Uh, just a fun golf podcast for the holiday season. Um, I'll go first because I need to get this out of the way. Um, I played. 
I played a golf tournament with the Shanks. Um, yeah, my scores were astronomical. Um, I don't think I want to say anymore just because I don't want to poison your game. <laughs> so instead, I'll go a completely different direction with this. Um, have you ever completely outsmarted yourself to where you look like the biggest idiot that has ever walked the face of the earth playing golf? Boy, that is a question I'll let you answer first because <laughs> I want to hear exactly what that means. I'm playing in a scramble, run a par five, we have a chip for birdie, and I decide, I don't think this this rough and this fringe is that thick. I'm going to putt it. <laughs> rough grabs it, fringe grabs it, it barely gets on the green, and one of my best friends in the whole world who I've played 300 plus rounds of golf with looks at me and goes, what in the bleeping world was that? That is the stupidest shot I have ever seen you hit ever. More stupid than the seven iron you hit on a par five last year to lay up off the tee. <laughs> and I said, I said, it's a scramble. I decided to take a risk. He's like, that's the stupidest risk you've ever seen. <laughs> so, as to, so as to not mention the, the curse word that we can't say that starts with S-H but is not the other curse word. So as to not poison your mind for any future girlfriend, that'll be the worst shot I've ever hit. I appreciate that. I, I, I won't even say the word. I won't even. Oh man, uh, I've got I you know I've got two that fit that. Well, I've got one of the stupidest things we've done where you just have a complete brain fart. Um, I remember I was playing a tournament and I was these fairways were super tree lined, so if you got on one of the you know if, if you ended up in the other fairway, then you are separated by the sign of trees. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got to go up and over these trees because I'm in the other fairway, and something in my brain remembered to go over the tree didn't think about the distance to carry the forest. So I remember I had this 60 degree wedge. I remember I hit the shot and I was like, oh, it's beautiful. And then I realized it only had enough distance to carry about halfway through the forest. So it had the height to clear all the trees, but came down directly in the middle of the forest. So I flopped it over the tree into the forest. <laughs> so that was about as bad as it gets. That um, is, oh my, that is oh, brutal. That is I mean, you ain't talking, talking about feeling like an idiot. It yeah. Just, the guys playing with me were like, why did you do that? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, but the worst shot I've ever hit, and I, I thought about this, and then when it came to me, it came to me fast. North of my little hometown of Valley, Texas, is this golf course that I, I don't even know what it's called now, but it, it was called Concan Country Club when it was open. And it's a nice course right in the hill country of Texas, beautiful, beautiful place. And when it first opened, we got to play a high school tournament there, and that was a big deal for all us kids. You know, got to play this new course, and I think we may have been the host team, so everybody's really excited. We started a shotgun tournament, so I started on the 15 pole. It's like a 360-yard par four, water on the right, OB left. And, boy, I tell you, my first two drives could not have been more out of bounds. I mean, I just started the tournament with two drives, straight OB, and now I have to tee it up. <laughs> and I think I ended up making, I, I, so one out of bounds, three out of bounds. I think I hit five in the fairway, six on the green, and made the puff for seven. So that's a hell of a start to the tournament, and easily the worst two shots I've ever hit. That is a utterly bizarre start. I mean, that's, sure that's like, you know, we, 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 we talk all the time about shooting yourself out of a tournament, uh, uh, shooting yourself out of a tournament before it begins. That may be the exact definition of shooting oh, yourself out of a tournament before it begins. Yeah, I wanted after those two. I just wanted to take my third ball and go home. <laughs> Glad I couldn't. Yeah. Man, I mean, that, yeah, that that is one of the I think so important for kids to get in there and play it because, man, it will humble you. And teach you that no matter what you think is about to happen, you have no idea what's about to happen. In my mind, golf teaches you really 
two important things, which is anything can happen. Tiger's shown that. Countless guys have shown that. Um, you know, I hate to pick on Ben Curtis, but I always say Ben Curtis. You, you Every guy who tees it up could win. It's just the bottom line. Every guy who tees it up could win. And the other thing that it teaches you is tolerance and respect. Because if you don't have respect for the course, for yourself, for those around you, the game finds a way to humble you. And if you can't tolerate certain things coming at you, uh, one of which I will get to later in this podcast, um, it will get under your skin to a point where you can't succeed. And it's a great teacher of patience in that regard. And um, that, I think, is one of the great virtues of, of this game. Uh, beyond everything it does, business-wise, professionally, personally, life skills, all that, it's a great mental test of how patient are you when things don't go exactly your way. Right. And golf, it's a game of a million lessons, man. Yes, that is true. So while you get that thought out of your head, um, my dad, I believe, is not currently in the house. Um, you know, holidays, working from home. He's around, but I don't think he's up here so I can tell this story about the one and only teeing it up contributor, Jonathan Schilling, who contributed to the worst golf shot I have ever seen. Oh, Dad. I, 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 I know, Calf. I know, I know, I know. Um, so, let me just set the scene for you. It's a basic executive course. It's got trees down the right. It's wide open everywhere else. It's a simple hole, right? One would think. I don't know about you, but I've never seen anybody hit a shank with their driver. And this isn't a hover rocket shank. This is off the toe shank why I can say the word because it's not the definition of a shank right he's hitting it so inside sorry so on top of the club that it just darts right not because of the hosel but because of the of the um, where the club is uh, in perspective with the ball and he gets up is there and the angle of attack Yes, yes. His angle, if we're looking at TrackMan data, it's not pretty. Right. Um, and he gets up there, and um, I'm, I'm just thinking, nice and easy, Dad, send it down the fairway. Next thing I know, it hits a tree, so it darts straight right, hits a tree square on and comes backwards right at me. I'm standing behind him. <laughs> And I have to dart out of the way myself. The ball ended up behind us. I oh, have man. never seen a golf ball on a tee box, the shot result, end up behind where you were. It was a <laughs> negative distance shot. To this, oh, to this day, I have seen him now purposely aim left just to get away from any trees that may be on the right. <laughs> Golf is such a weird game. It is such a bizarre game, and we'll get to even more of those moments momentarily. But it will also lead to outcomes that you never see coming, and that is an outcome I never saw coming. <laughs> I mean, by definition, I think a golf shot that ends up in negative yardage has to be at least in the category of worst shot to ever see. <laughs> yes. And then my dad's like, so what do I do? I'm like, I I haven't consulted the rules of golf about this. I have no idea. I would just say take a mulligan and re-tee. Um, oh, man. Or don't. Or, yeah, or just move up. <laughs> just, or, for my safety, don't. Yeah, yes. Well, it, it's funny you said that, because then for the next one, I kind of huddled behind my golf bag. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what's going to happen here. 
What's the worst shot you've ever seen hit in person, Cav? Gosh, the worst shots I've ever seen and then the most bizarre things I've ever seen kind of build together. I remember um, the Valero Texas Open. It was like 2007 or 2008. And I somehow ended up being like a spotter for Golf Channel. Like, okay. you know, I was local kids in the area or something. You, know, you end up... So yeah. I remember I ended up being a spotter and looped my sister in with me. Like, I was just like, hey, come under the ropes. Let's do this. So... I remember we got assigned to Kevin Stadler, and boy, when I tell you, I have never rooted to see more bad shots than I did that day, because every time he had a bad shot, his reaction was different and equally miraculous as the last one. I mean, he did everything from throw his club into the bunker, <laughs> he kicked his, he kicked his bag. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, it was amazing. I mean, you know, the Stadler's that runs in the family. Yeah, those tempers. Yep. It was the only time that I've ever watched him really play golf in person. And I got to tell you, it was one of the funnest days that I ever had because we would have every time we hit a bad shot, we would have to hide our Snickers because his reaction was just. It was awesome. It was so much fun in this. And at that time, the Florida Texas Open was relegated to the fall series, and it was, I mean, it hardly got any kind of field. So that was the most fun and exciting thing in golf-wise that I'd seen in that area in, in a long time. That, okay, so so here's, here's something interesting about that. Because I always find this fascinating. There are guys, and we've seen John Rahm work on this, where you use the frustrating moments as a positive to build off of. Mm. Uh, 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 sorry, you use the negative things that happen as motivators to make a run, change the tide, do whatever to get you positive, okay? Right. We've also seen guys who have, to their detriment, had it fall flat on their face. And... Um, what is interesting about this is I am currently looking for Craig Stadler's score for that week. Where do you think he finished in the 2008 Valero Texas Open? Ooh. All right. Let's see. Did he make the cut? He did. All right. Uh, what day see. was this? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't remember. It must have, it must have been... Probably Saturday, but um, I would guess he finished like let's say like T fifty two. Okay, this is eerie. You almost nailed it. T fifty six. All right. Three under. Sixty seven, sixty six, sixty nine, seventy five. Oh man, maybe it was Sunday then. He dropped forty three spots on the leaderboard and finished. Oh, 16 shots behind eventual winner Zach Johnson. Yeah, it had to be Sunday then because he wasn't shooting no, no round the 60s, that's for sure. That is, that's remarkable. And as Tiger said a couple weeks ago, the most remarkable PNC championship pairing he's ever seen are the Stadlers. And they look alike, they got the same body type, and boy right. do they have emotions that run through their bodies. And... Um, Kevin certainly fit that during his playing days. I have no idea where he is these days. Um, I, haven't, I, don't I haven't seen him on a leaderboard in a while. Um, but after that, he, he, he no longer was Kevin Stadler in our house. He was Kevin Swagler. Ooh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. He did get his one PGA Tour win after that, which was the 2014 Waste Management Phoenix Open, which he uh, won by one over Graham Dillette and Bubba Watson. I mean, nobody uh, can ever take it away from him either. <laughs> nope. Um, so, yeah, they can't take that away, but uh, has not been uh, in contention on the PGA Tour in quite a while. Uh, Kevin Gernuzzi is with us here on Teeing It Up as we go through the craziness that is golf. Um, all right, when it comes to weirdest, goofiest, most bizarre thing we, I've ever seen on a golf course, um, this is a family podcast uh you you calf can say whatever you want i'm just saying on my end this is a family podcast and if you are somebody who has played golf with me and has used substances or has 
drank stuff that was not water. Uh, those stories will not be told here. Don't worry. Um, have you ever played with somebody who acted like they were shooting 107 and wound up shooting 67? Sure. I think we all have. To me, those are the worst people to play with. Absolutely. And there was a guy that I played with once who, I don't know who he is. He clearly was not anybody on a tour because I didn't recognize the name, the face. He had no sponsors on his hat. He, you know, it wasn't like he was repping himself, right? And he, this gentleman, for whatever reason, I guess expected perfection out of him. Uh, himself and if anything was like 20 feet it was like you bleeping 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 hit it back <laughs> now you and I both know that you know the average proximity to uh, uh, to the hole in the PGA Tour last year was 37 feet the average proximity from 125 to 150 is 20 feet this guy and that's in the PGA Tour folks this guy was acting and having a temper tantrum, basically, as if he was supposed to be Tiger. And we got to the end of the round, and I turned to my dad, and I said, what do you think this dude shot? And he goes, I roughly have him at 69. And I'm like, uh, I'll shoot 69 around here. Thank you very much. Seriously? It was the most bizarre and detached from reality behavior I have seen out of someone. And it made me wonder if he was trying to let off some steam. I have no idea. Hmm. It does make you wonder why he's playing golf. If a round like that can't bring you any semblance of joy, then maybe this game is not for you, despite the fact that you appear to be really good at it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, that one, to the end of time, just... Befuddles me, so I'll I'll stop there. Let you go next, and 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 then I need you to mind read for me because I'm I'm having some issues, Cap, and I need your help for this next one. So you go ahead first. Oh geez, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of more bizarre, crazy things. You know, I think maybe I'll go with some things that fit some of the other categories. Okay, go ahead. So uh, as far as some of the other best shots. I've seen, I remember I saw uh, Francesco Molinari make a hole in one to 16 hole race management. Ooh, that was pretty incredible. That, uh, I remember seeing that. I, I, I have no idea if I could spot you. Um, oh, I don't think so. But, uh, but with all the beer cans flying, I don't think so. I was about to say, did you stay dry successfully? <laughs> I don't think anybody did. But I remember, <laughs> I, I just remember, you know, it, it's like you said, when you tell the home one, it, it's just such a, did that, like, hold on, like, it happens, but also, did that happen? It's such a weird, amazing sequence of events whenever you see all in one, because it's all you want to see, and then it happens, and it takes everybody a second to figure out what to do about it. But. Yes, because you can't dart anywhere. You're in, for those who don't know, the uh, 16th hole at uh, TPC Scottsdale is basically stadium seating. So this isn't like you can run around and be crazy. You're packed <laughs> in to the gills. There's no GA seating, so you kind of can only celebrate with the people in your traveling party or those next to you who are strangers. You you can't really run around. <laughs> So you just, I guess you just throw beer bottles. I guess. It's what you do. But, man, that one, that one was a fun one. Um, you know, we, like, I, I was like, I saw Sergio and McDonald's one at 17 at Sawgrass uh, a couple of years ago. I remember um, this now. He got his revenge out of after whatever year that was. The, it didn't treat him uh, the uh, Tiger year, 2013. Oh, yeah. That was when the fans were brutal to him. He got his revenge. Obviously, there's I could go on and on about a list of Tiger ones, but it's just that it's so it's just such a cool sport, man. It's so cool that you can have all these moments and memories, and yeah, I love it. Love so much. We're very blessed. There is no doubt that people like you and I are are very blessed, and we're very lucky, and we count our lucky stars for that. Um, so I I need your help. 
And as folks know, Cav, I don't call on you for help very often, right? <laughs> you don't. My first bunker shot, three years in a row, is has been a downhill, sidehill, live bunker shot. What yeah, have I done wrong? <laughs> help! Why? Can somebody put my ball in a bunker with a straight, like, uphill lie and on an upslope and just, like, a normal shot? Like, why am I having to hit a shot that takes a whole bunch of practice as my first bunker shot of the year? My gosh. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and this is a counter to guarantee, that in 2022, your first bunker shot of the year will not be that. <laughs> I hope and, so. I would. And I expect you to let me know whether that comes true or not. You know me. I will have a video of it or a picture of it sent to you immediately after I hit the shot. It's so, so man. Isn't this game crazy like that, though? Like, like, you can't make anything to save your life and then you make, you know, five birdies in a row. Or you haven't hit it in a bunker in two weeks, and then you hit it in seven bunkers in the same round. Um, The game is so weird like that. It's interesting. You brought up the Tiger story um, and and the fact that you've also seen the pinnacle, which is not only him winning, but also whether it's aces or albatrosses or whatever it is, you've seen people at their highest of highs. That same friend who I talked about, who I've played 300-plus rounds with, People ask me all the time, what's the best round of golf you've seen in person? Well, I said, look, I was at the O2 U.S. Open when Tiger won at Bethpage. So, like, I I don't know how you want me to answer this question. But if you ask me what's the best round I've seen somebody my age play, there is no doubt that it is my buddy who shot 73. uh, Par 72, a 1 over 73. Cav... You and I both have played Twilight for years. I love it. You've also uh, 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 do swept way more than I've do swept. But there's something about those late afternoon sunlight and, and shadows that's just so special. And I will never forget that he and I are playing and he's kind of blind to his scorecard. And at one point he says to me, I have a feeling I'm doing something really good. And I said, I have no idea what your number is, but I have the exact same feeling that you're doing something really good. And he realizes suddenly that he is like even on the round or something. And we're losing daylight fast. This is a golf course in the trees. Like you've got to be able to like, you know. Like, get going. So we start trying to speed up as much as we can while also being taking our time and pragmatic. And he he plays his next three holes in like one over or something. And we get to the 18th tee, and it was that time of the night where if things go just right, you can see the spark on your driver when it makes contact. Uh, Yeah. And that is the only time in my life I've seen that. I saw a spark on the driver when he made contact. He made par in the in the last light. And I believe he's broken 70 cents, but for a long time that was the best round he had ever played. And he thanked me that day for willing him on because, because you know how tough it is when you're losing light to be able to stay focused because you start rushing and you start getting out of your routine and for him to be able to stay in his routine for that long was really, really impressive. And it was a really cool achievement. That is funny. My wife is not a golfer, but I've had to explain to her multiple times, look, I know it's dark when I get home. That's because we play it as long as we possibly can. <laughs> I, I'm not cheating on you. I'm not doing anything. It's because I literally am playing until it's dark. Poor, uh, poor Amber. Jeez. I know. I know. It's, you know, I understand why golf courses have started charging for visitors um, to come out with you. Um, 
And I wish that that wasn't the case because I would love to have people out there with me being able to watch and all that. But what I have found consistently is that when people actually experience the game, and I think this is a great, a, a great point for the listeners out there. If you have not experienced the game or if you have somebody in your family who, who has misunderstood aspects of the game, try to see if you can take them out. For some courses, it's very little. Uh, cost-wise to bring them out. I think it really changes their appreciation of the game and also in the process helps explain why you're getting home at nine at, at 9.15 at night on a, on a summer Saturday. Right. It's really, it, it's it's a really cool exercise. Kevin uh, Nucci's with us here on teeing it up. Alright, um, as we kind of head down the home stretch here, um, there's moments in all of our lives where we sit back in this game and it's taken us places or we've experienced things that just don't make sense. I don't understand why after the snowiest winter here uh, in a long time, my buddy in his first round of the year off no practice back in March of this year Shot a two over 74, 16 pars, two bogeys, and we all looked at him afterwards and was like, that was 74? Like, that was the easiest 74 we've ever seen shot. It was so bizarre and uncanny how he was able to do it. So on your list, and, and this is also an opportunity to um, say anything else which is on the list, um, as you step back and just think about this game, have you had one of those moments or one of those things that's just so weird or bizarre that like you were like, wait a second, that just happened? Like, really? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. The first thing that, I mean, really, the first thing that comes to mind is just how... Okay, there's, there's a couple things where this game, it's brought me full circle, which has been amazing to me. Um, the fact that, so, you know, I have a couple places that are really special to me. I remember the first time, first big tournament I ever went to was the 2006 players. And we went down there to see Tiger. And I remember being there and thinking, okay, we're paying to be here. If I can ever get paid to be here, I want to be here. And then getting to work my first players 11 years later was really cool. Um, and then things, you know, like, I just, I love, I love Tory Pines a bunch. And I, I remember I got to see Tiger went out there in 2008. And this past year, I got a chance to go do some stuff out there with the USGA. And it's, just, you know, I remember I had a, in 2015, I was lucky enough to play Carnoustie. And I had, you know, one of the greatest rounds I've ever had in my life. And, and maybe never want to play that course again because it was such a great experience. And then three years later, I got to go work the open there. So, you know, it's just funny how these things happen where, like, of all the places I could go to work at U.S. Open, I end up going to a place that I most want to go to. You know, of all the places I could go to work and open, I end up going to a place that I probably want to go to the most. You know, that, that that's not a coincidence to me. No, and it's not. I don't know what to attribute that to, but, you know, it just seems like those kinds of things happen over and over again in the game of golf, and you just have to say, well, you know, thank you. That that means a lot to me. So yeah, I, I just you know it, I keep keep coming back for more. The you know what's what's interesting about Carnoustie is um, what what made your round there that you played special. What what uh, made it so good? Because this I think brings up a really interesting point. So go ahead. A lot of things, but. Um, the main deal was that we had booked around and we hadn't booked a caddy. And I was there probably 30, 45 minutes before the round, and I was watching everybody go off with a caddy. And I was like, hey, I think, I think I need to get a caddy. And so we went in and they called this guy who was off that day, but he ended up coming in. And when I, I mean, it was, it was like he was an angel. Um, his name was Trevor. And, I remember years later in that Bill Murray caddy documentary, when they go to Carnoustie, that's the guy that they go to. They go to my boy Trevor. And um, his grandfather had made clubs in Carnoustie back in the 1800s. And 
I think his uncle was a Simpson that had won the Open in the late 1800s. So this guy was as golf as golf gets. And I remember he was just such an incredible caddy. And on the sixth hole, Hogan's Alley, I remember he had a four iron of the green. And he looked at me and he was like, so you can play. <laughs> and from that point forward, it was like a whole different round. Because he was just, he was telling me where to hit it and I would hit it there. And it was just so much fun. And I remember I made a couple of bogeys on the back. And I think my mom and sister were walking with me, and they were like, uh, they're like, oh, don't get mad. And I remember he looked, at, he looked right at him, he said, he's not mad, he's fine. And I think I parred the last three, you know, to shoot 78. Um, Damn. And so that, just that day, it was just, you know, I was like, oh, well, what more, what more do you want? So. Yeah, it, it was, it's, it it's the snapshot, it's the snapshot of what you see. It's this, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's like all these first-time Masters participants who said, you know, I could have come here, you know, because my family had tickets or my or my sibling worked for somebody, but I didn't because the first time I wanted to see Augusta National was play it. Right. And it just, like, you don't want to play Carnoustie again because the snapshot of what's in your head was your game at your peak, in peak form on a special day with a special caddy with, with the most important people in your life around you. Right. And that I think is 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 awesome, and it's it's so fitting that you had that experience, and then you go back and then get to see you know the goat nearly pull it off, and right. also pull off one of the crazier bunker shots I've surely <laughs> yeah. bunker shots that I've seen him play, and I. How he didn't hurt himself. I was so worried about the recoil. Oh my god. Right. I cringed. And that was on my birthday and Tiger had never won on my birthday and he came up just short. Mm. No. Is, he tried to get me the greatest uh, 30th birthday present ever. <laughs> it really would have been. It, it really would have. Um, but he gave me a darn fun um, uh, Passover? I don't know. Just spring gift, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. <laughs> next April. So that kind of, you know, it, it kind of all worked out. Um, is there anything else that on our list of stuff we, we wanted to talk about today that we have not gotten to yet that you want to bring up? Man, I don't think so. But since I'm probably... Now I'm going to be on another podcast before the next year. I just want to say that I really am excited for the next year in golf like I am every year, and I just can't wait to see what happens. I don't – man, I mean, 2021 was so wild, and I think 2022 <laughs> – I, I hope it tops it. Hudson Swafford from 250 or so out, 13th hole, Northern Trust Open. I'm there on the Saturday. Hits it to three feet, seven inches. Makes the eagle putt. Earlier in the round, four left. Scott Piercy hits a ball that would have hit my friend if I hadn't told him to stop and pointed out where the media compound was. The unpredictability of this game on TV, the unpredictability of it as a player, the unpredictability of it as a viewer, uh, sorry, as a spectator, keeps you coming back and I am with you that this game whether it's participation numbers whether it's um, you know uh, sales and yes there's supply chain issues but those will get fixed um, whether it's viewership whether it's interest whether it's the quality of, of game and I had Mark Rolfing on the podcast yesterday and you know, he was saying that, that he thinks that we're going to go for a while without having a clear-cut number one. Instead, we're going to have, like, six players who will, who will all be world number one caliber type guys. And there could be events where three or four guys have a chance to get to number one. Um, I think we're in for a special stretch here in the game over the next year two years. I agree, man. I agree with you. On the spot, I'm going to put you on the spot. One last question here. If, if I can call the last question, then I'll call this one the last question. Okay, you got it. Who wins the most majors in 2022 on the men's side? Uh, can I 
So this could be multiple players. If if that's the way you want to go, that's the way you can go. Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley will each win one major. Ah, man, that would be an awesome year already. I'm going to say that Colin Martell gets, gets one more. That's my bold statement. I am... I can see it. Um, I would think that Augusta is the best place for it, although the country club is a real toss-up in terms of who fits there because nobody's ever really played there of this generation unless they played in a USM, I guess, a couple of years ago. Um, so I, I'm with you that I think it, it's not going to be three or four guys. I think somebody... I think somebody's going to do something. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. And I think on the women's side, watch out for Jessica Corder. She's married now. She has seen her sister rise to number one. That ongoing battle with Jin Young Ko, I think that there's such a really healthy sibling rivalry there that Jin Young Ko, sorry, that Jessica Corder has, has a renaissance here. Hey, I would love to see it. And I just broke the rule that you asked the last question. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> there is nobody more passionate about this game on a daily basis than you, Cav. It has been a pleasure to go through the zany craziness that is golf over this past 60 minutes with you. Thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Of course, man. My pleasure anytime. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays. Happy New Year.